All right, so well, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I haven't been here in two weeks. I was in Charlotte, and then I was down, got sick a little bit. And uh, so, Paul, last uh, week, I had the, luckily the Lord prepared me. He told me to, to, that I wasn't going to church that Sunday, and I didn't even know how sick I was going to be when, I, when he told me that. And so I went ahead and called Paul, and I said, but I was already getting my message for Sunday. And so, but I called Paul Saturday, which that doesn't happen, and, and I wasn't positive it was my message, but it was what was being stirred up inside of me. And I called Paul. I said, look, man, I just, I'm not feeling great, but that's really not why I'm canceling. I just know the Lord told me not, I'm not, you know, I'm not coming tomorrow. You know, and I was talking to Paul on the phone, and I said, can we switch? And he's like, yeah, it's no problem. So I worked hard Saturday. Worked, I'm doing a garden for the first time. And uh, really, I think I'm going to have a lot of messages to preach on after this. <laughs> uh, there's a lot that you can uh, preach off of when it comes to gardening. Uh, I'm building a fence around it, so, you know, to keep the, the animals out. And uh, it's, uh, it's exciting, actually. It, I, I love because I've already planted my tomato seeds, and they're starting to, the little, uh, this is my first time, you know, and I'm watching them start to come up inside the house before I transplant them. And, and I was telling, I think it was Haven or Alexa, and I am getting sidetracked, but, um, you know, that seed, this has nothing to do with anything I'm preaching on, but I just, this is such an amazing thought, I just have to share it. That seed of that tomato that I planted, you know that its potential is endless? It's endless. It's endless. What, what, what do you mean, Travis? Well, how many seeds, I, I plant one seed, a plant grows up that produces numerous tomatoes throughout the season, and each tomato has who knows how many seeds on them, and it will continue as long as I take the seed out of the tomato that I'm growing, I can plant it. And the numbers of them, they can multiply. They're, it's innumerable how many tomatoes I can get out of one seed. It is inexhaustible as long as I continue the process with each seed. And as James says, the seed that Jesus planted in us, think, think, think about that. Jesus said, the, the, the Greeks came to Jesus. I, am, I know I'm getting off, but the Greeks came to Jesus, or they actually came to, to Philip, and they wanted to see Jesus. This was right before he's crucified. And they come to him, and, and he goes to Jesus, and he says, Lord, the Greeks want to see you. And Jesus, in his Jesus type of way, uh, you know, Philip's like, hey, the Greeks want to see you. And Jesus goes, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abideth alone. Now, he's answering their question, but they don't realize it because they're like, what? <laughs> Wait a no, they want to see you unless a seed dies, it abides alone. They, they won't, they, do I tell, what, what do I tell them? <laughs> Jesus was talking about his own life. If he would lay down his life and die, then multiple children would be born into the kingdom and there would be multiple um, Christ, if you will, not the body. We're the body of Christ. Multiple representations of God. We're the body. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the head, according to the, the metaphor that's laid out in the New Testament of, of what this thing is. He says, unless I die, 
then I'm going to be all by myself, and I can't reach the whole world as one person. As he told the disciples, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. He was going to, the Holy Spirit was going to fill all of God's children up, and they were going to be sent out. And if he died and laid down his life, then the new birth can take place. And think about all the seeds. God sowed one seed. And look at us. Look at heaven. It's going to be amazing. One seed. One seed. So anyway, that's my garden message so far. <laughs> but back to Paul and me. Um, so I'm listening. I'm laying in bed sick last Sunday, and I'm listening to Paul, and he starts teaching my message. <laughs> we didn't talk to each other. Uh, I didn't tell him what I was feeling. I didn't tell him what to preach. Never do. We we don't even talk about what what we're what we're getting until Sunday morning. Usually, if we, you know, and usually it's like, hey, what you got? I don't know. What you got? <laughs> so. I, I am going to revisit it. He did a fantastic job. Um, I preached this message maybe a year and a half ago, and the title of it was Confidence Through Love. It's much deeper than the title, but I just want to revisit it in a minute. And it actually it kind of fits all together with what, even with from James' testimony to the seeds. So I've been thinking about the love of God but it's more than thoughts. I want to give you guys something today that, I've, that, I've, that I feel like would be beneficial to you, something you can practice, something that you can implore that will absolutely change your life forever, okay? Now, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, let's go back to the garden a minute. Ah, I didn't even plan that. Let's go back to the garden. <laughs> let's go back to the garden. You know what I'm talking about? Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. God made man in his own image, in his own likeness. He breathed into Adam the breath of life. Adam's first breath was God in his face. Think about that. His first breath was God. His first thing, that when Adam's eyes opened, I personally believe, for, because it says that God breathed in him the breath of life, I don't believe it was like God was way up here and he just kind of breathed and it just went and entered in. I don't believe that because I know my God, he's pretty personal. It's like mouth to mouth. He came in and he, he got in his face and he opened his jaw and he breathed in him the breath of life. And Adam opens his eyes and the first thing he sees his eyes staring back at him with a love that he can't comprehend. Think about that. His first contact with anything is the love of his maker. All right, that's great. Let's go. <laughs> that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. God breathed in him the breath of life. He opens his eyes and he sees the Father. And of course, Adam, you know, he, he, he becomes the, 
Um, God makes Adam the tender of the earth, uh, the tiller of the earth, the everything of the earth. He was the guardian, the watchman. He was in charge. You know, the enemy comes in. He lies to Adam and Eve. God allows it because the one thing you cannot command is love. For there to be a man and a woman that truly is created in the image of God, the one thing that they have to have is freedom. You can't even be like God without freedom. You can't. God said, let us make man in our own image. How can we be? We have to have freedom. God wants love. Y'all realize that? God wants love. He desires love. He desires to be loved. But you can't have that without giving people the freedom to choose. I can't say, Alexa, you're going to love your daddy. You are going to love your daddy. Don't give me that look. You're going to love me. <laughs> you're going to love me, respect me, and honor me. I'm your daddy. <laughs> does that work? Of course it doesn't. You can't command love. You can't. It doesn't work that way. So God gives us free choice. We chose wrong. God knew we were going to choose wrong. But he had a plan. But here's, here's what I want to talk about. At the core of everything we believe is this one tenant, this one main thing that cannot be exhausted, that cannot be overexplored. It, it is a game changer, but it's something that we hear it and we say, oh yeah, I know that. But we've already deceived ourselves when we do that. So I'm about to say it, but I don't want you to throw this thing aside. I want you to stop and, 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 and get ready to embrace what I'm about to say with new eyes, to look into it, to look deeper, and not to just reject the idea of this is something I already know, okay? You're going to have to reject the temptation. I already know this. Because you can't, we are going to forever be learning about this in heaven, ever and ever. Eon after eon after eon, there will be new layers to the onion, okay? But at the very core of Christianity, God so loved the world. He loves you. Not me. I mean, he loves me, but he loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. Say it out loud. God loves me. No, guys, really, God loves you. He loves you with an inexhaustible love that was willing to go to a cross to prove it. Jesus went to the cross to prove your value. How much value does something have? The value that is determined on something is what somebody's willing to pay for it. Free market society, what's the value of anything? What somebody's willing to pay for it. God loves you so much that he was willing to become a man, live a perfect life, go to the cross and pay your penalty. Is that you? Oh, silver Nissan outside, alarm going off. 
um, he loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. Now, here's the amazing thing. Every single one of us has, and I've said this before, y'all have heard me preach this, but I'm going to preach it again because I think there's something on this that the Lord wants us to continually feed on, okay? I know this and I preach this and I'm still practicing feeding on this. And that's really where I'm going. I want to get to how do we feed on this. But as I'm setting it up real quick, every single one of you has an insatiable desire to be loved. When I say it's insatiable, it, it only is insatiable from the standpoint that nothing can satisfy it except for one thing. So it's really not insatiable, but with everything else it is. Every single one of you, including myself, have a desire to be loved, to be appreciated, to be a desire to be accepted. Our identity is wrapped up in, in it. Our identity, who we are, is wrapped up on how well we received love and, and, and believe that we are loved. Now, everybody in here will probably say, God loves me, and they give mental assentment to that, but I don't personally believe that we really see it yet. We believe it in our head. We have experienced it some in our heart, but not to the degree that God needs us to experience it because when we experience his love, is a game changer. It's a game changer. 1 John 4.16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him abides, lives in, love. Okay, that word know, we've talked about this. This is not a, um, there are two, there's some different words in the Greek for know. This word here in the Greek, if you're, if you're not familiar, the New Testament was written in Greek. This word know is the same word that Mary said, I never knew a man. It's not, it's not, it's not an intellectual knowing, it's an experiential knowing. The reason why Mary says she never knew a man because that implies that there is a very intimate knowledge that she had not experienced. So this word know, if you look at it, everywhere you look at it in the New Testament, it has something that it is beyond just, hey, I know about something. It's I know something that I have experienced. I've touched it. I've held it. I love, John's one of my favorite disciples. I love the Gospel of John. It's my favorite. I love 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, but especially 1 John. What was, this is John 1, 1 John 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we had looked at and touched with our hands. I love that. Concerning the word of life. John's saying, look, this Jesus that we're telling you about, we experienced him. We touched him. I laid my head on his chest. I, I handled him. I mean, I, I, I embraced him. 
I physically was with this with with the word of life. That's the kind of knowing that we're talking about. John knew Jesus. And that's why he called himself in the book of John, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> he knew it. He didn't think it. He didn't give a mental belief to it. There was an experience that he said, man, I have touched him. I have heard him. I have been with him. I have come to know. And, it said, and he kept going, and the life was manifest, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And we have seen and heard, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. He experienced something, and that's why he writes about love, because he's the disciple that Jesus loved. This verse, we have come to experientially know and have believed the love of God. See, you can't, you can't really know something until you have fully believed it. There, you, you'll get almost every Christian that you ever talked to will say, God loves me. But the only degree that that helps them is to the degree that they believe it. It doesn't change how much they're loved. Do you realize that? God loves you with a love that, he, that is immeasurable. You can't measure God's love for you. He loves you so great. Every single one of you has value and worth that you cannot comprehend. He loves you. You were made in his image, but if you don't believe it, it can't help you. It doesn't change that it's true. It just means that you don't get to partake, even though it's staring in front of you. If I tell you, this kind of happened yesterday a little bit, not exactly, but we had a, a gathering, an outreach. There were, there were a lot of homeless that live around here, and, and God loves them, and we want to help them. We were able to borrow a, um, Vigilant Hope's showers, and we mobile showers, and we moved it over here, and we gave showers and free food. Well, we had inside of here, we had tables set up. Miriam... And Brittany did a fantastic job, and Khalil setting up those and, and took a lot of effort and really put work in to see that this was a nice spread, that they were that they, people would feel loved, cared about. Me, Ferrando, you know, the pastor across the way and owns Church's Chicken, we, uh, and, and Josh, we went and walked through the homeless camps and invited everybody, come on in. We got this incredible spread that's going to be for you. We want to love on you. We want, to know, we want you to know how valuable you are. They were so valuable that we were willing to take our time and walk through the woods and, and just let people know. They were so valuable that Miriam and Brittany and Khalil took the time to, to, to work and to do all, we, all these people, all these volunteers. I mean, Margaret came, and I mean, all these people came, and there's so many of you, I can't even, you know, say it all, but there were so many people that came to show love to people uh, yesterday. The, the love banquet was here. You know how many people that we talked to that didn't come? They didn't come. And they could have partake, partaken of something 
that was amazing, but because they didn't choose to either believe it or to obey it, they missed out on a good meal, good conversation, hot shower, clothes, giveaways, things that we did. We gave, we gave a bunch of food away, a bunch of waters and different stuff. Um, and, and that's kind of my point that I'm trying to make is God wants us to go from just believing something theologically to experiencing it where it becomes a reality in who we are. And we can't do that unless we believe it. And so here's what I... Um, uh, 417, by this, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. Love being perfected inside of us is how we're going to have confidence in the day to come, in the day ahead. Love being perfected inside of us. Love is being perfected in us. Not knowing God's love personally and having it perfected in us really is the cause of all the problems in the world, pretty much. It really is. When you know how much you're loved, you really don't take offense as much. Somebody says something you don't like, they maybe hurt your feelings, maybe said something and didn't value in the way that you should be valued, and you're, when you're desperate for, their, for that value. Man, when I need somebody's approval for my own, my own life of my identity, and I don't get it, whoo, you better give me what I need. I need to be valued, and you're not valuing me right now. And so I'll, I'll rise up, and I'll fight for it because I'm, my life's on the line. I have identity that I'm not, I don't know very well. My identity's not healed. My identity's not solid. It's not pure and so when someone crosses me it's easier for me to take offense at it because you know what I don't know something what do I not know I don't know how the father feels about me if I knew how the father felt about me it doesn't matter what anybody says and you know how I know this um, it's, just a, it's just a general truth like this if I am full then I'm not tempted. I gave this, when I shared this last time, I thought it was so good, I got more repeated. Um, how many ever went inside Sam's or Costco hungry? Bad mistake, right? If I go in there hungry, I come out with all kinds of stuff that I don't need to eat. Man, but that jar of M&M's was, peanut M&M's was calling to me. I'm hungry and it looks so good. Oh, man, I don't, but I, but I feel horrible after I eat that whole jar in one sitting. <laughs> it's not good for me, but I was hungry. I was so hungry. And so, like, I went in there to get $200 worth of groceries and I come out and it's $500. And I'm like, what happened? Oh, you made a big mistake. You hadn't eaten all day, and you walked through a Costco. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. But you know, when you go in there, and you just went through the buffet line, and you're stuffed full, and you go in there, you're just not as tempted anymore. And you pretty much stick, stick to budget, because you're not making a decision based on your current need. You're making a decision on what you know you need for down the road. God wants us to live so full of his love, so full of it, 
that I'm not grabbing for things to fill a hole in my life. See, if I'm needing stuff to fill a hole in my life, I'm grabbing for anything I can to fill that hole. What does the scripture say? It talks about how to the starving, even the bitter tastes sweet. You know, when you're starving for love, you'll fill it with anything. Sex, drugs, entertainment, uh, a group of people in your life that sing your praise. Praise, you know. How many people live for praise? And when they don't get the praise, then all of a sudden, they're just empty. We can feel this desire to be wanted, a desire to be loved, this need in our heart with anything, but nothing will satisfy but one thing, and that was the thing that was created for that. You know, when you're a child, um, y'all remember those games when you're kids where they, they have that little ball and it has all these different shapes? And you have to stick the right, you know, it's like, like, you know, like a one-year-old, two-year-old toy. You know what I'm talking about? A little ball that has all the little shapes, and you have to stick the right shape in the hole. That's us. <laughs> well, we are, so many of us are still playing that game. We're trying to find things that'll fit the hole. But fortunately, we were made for the greatest infilling that has ever been made. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, <clears throat> I personally believe, and I, there's a lot of prophetic revelation behind this, but I believe that the tree of life is the love of God. It's the love of the Father. And we are so desperate for God's love, and if we don't get it, it's going to affect how we act in life, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others. A person that's grown in love is the most confident person in the world without arrogance. A confidence that can't be torn away without an arrogance because they know it's where the source is coming from. Jesus, I love this about Jesus. You know, he, first of all, he's God. He, all things were made by him, for him, and through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. But in Philippians, we're told that although he existed in the form of God, he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. He, he existed in the form of God, but he emptied himself and took the form of a man, the form of a servant. So when he became a man, he, his deity got set aside. And here comes Jesus. And he comes into, before he had done any um, miracle, at least not openly. I mean, he might have done miracles. I think he probably did do some miracles growing up because his mom knew he could turn the water into wine. So there's, but there's nothing mentioned. There's no outward miracle that was done until Jesus goes to get baptized. And when Jesus is baptized, you know, a voice comes from heaven. And what does that voice say? So Jesus hadn't done anything yet, and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, that's the baptism. He goes down, he's baptized, he's brought up from the water, and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he immediately, spirit leads him into the, the wilderness, and there he's tempted by the devil, and the devil comes, and what does the devil say? If you are the son of God. Wait a minute. God just said you're the son of God. 
The father's voice spoke loud. Every time God's word comes, the enemy comes to steal it. Every time. If you get a word from God, you just need to know the enemy's coming to try to steal that word. So be on alert. Be alert. Be ready. Jesus' identity, and I don't have time to, 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 to preach this out. I, I don't know where the time went, but it, like, it's, it's gone. I mean, it's 1237, and I got at least another 40 minutes worth. <laughs> but I ain't going to do that to you. Before Jesus did any miracle, God says, this is my son, and the enemy comes and says, if you're the son of God. The temptation was to say, you know what? I have to do something to prove, to to go against this voice that's coming at me. All of us have voices that come at us that challenge the truth of who we are in Christ, God's love for us. And there's a temptation to want to come and prove that I am who I, who I, hey, you're trying to tell, you're trying to tell me I'm not. And, And now, because I'm really not settled in my heart that this is true, I'm now trying to do something to prove that what I think about myself is actually true. Do y'all hear that? I'm going to try to say that again. The enemy's voice of accusation comes, and he says, you're not a son. And it could say anything. You're a, p- a worthless piece of you know what. You're uh, Look what you did. You're this or you're that. And because we're not settled, confident, we don't know without a shadow of a doubt in our heart who we are and what he feels about us, who we are in him, there comes this temptation to prove, and rather than just believe that what God said is true and to hold on to that truth, there's this temptation to prove that I am who I say I am. And I'm really trying to prove it to myself because I really hadn't believed it yet. Y'all hear that? When Satan told Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn this bread, turn this stone into bread. Why is that a temptation? Jesus multiplied food twice at least. So it's not wrong to do miracles, multiplying food, doing things. What was wrong with it? Because if he did a miracle to prove who he was, then it's now an illegal miracle because it's no longer coming from faith. It's coming from, I have to show who I am, so I have to do this work in order to prove who I am. The Lord used James to heal that that guy, okay? God used James to heal that guy. If he did that in order to prove that he was a child of the king, then it was done for a legal reason. And God will still use stuff, and I'm not saying that at all. I don't believe that is the case. I'm just using it as an example. If I pray for somebody and I'm praying because I need this miracle to somehow validate my self-worth and now I'm doing it from an illegal direction. I'm not doing miracles because I need the validation. I'm doing it because I love my sister and my brother and they need a touch. If we do the works of God in order to validate our own identity or self-worth, we're not full... God wants us to be so full that we don't do anything from any place of trying to prove who I am. He wants us doing things because I know who I am. Now, here's what Jesus did. You know, faith works by love, by the way. 
when we know how much we love, how much we're loved of God, it, there's a confidence and a faith that comes with that. There really is. Now, I, I can't go, there, that's, a, that's a really important message that we need to talk about. Can't do it today. I'm going to close with this. These two things. Um, I'm sorry, I know that's a little bit shotgunned of a message, but um, Jesus, on the night that he was being betrayed, I'm, gonna say, I'm not turning to the scripture, but I'm going to tell you what it, what it said, but y'all look at it afterwards because it really is amazing. Jesus, it says of Jesus, is having known where he came from and where he was going, he stripped himself and girded himself with a towel and washed the disciples' feet. Now think about this a minute. Jesus, the son of the living God, having known where he came from, he knew, he knew experientially knew where he came from. He had an intimacy with God that had already filled him up with who he was, that he was not doing anything to prove who he was. He already passed that test in the garden. I mean, in the uh, wilderness. But knowing where he came from and knowing where he's going, he now could strip himself of anything he feels the need to walk in. And he girded himself with a servant's towel and he served his disciples. Our inability to serve one another is a telltale sign that we don't know where we came from and where we're going. When we truly know how much God loves us, we're no longer trying to be the, be the head, trying to prove ourselves, trying to get people to accept us as we are, but instead we're thinking, how can I help somebody? We're not even thinking about us anymore. Most of our ministry that's been done in the church, not all, but a lot, is done for me. I'm doing this because I need this identity. I'm doing this because for some reason other than I love the person in front of me. Now, that's not true across the board, and our motives are never going to be perfect without, I mean, we don't not do stuff because we, we're working through some of this stuff. And that's actually the way God helps us work through a bunch of this. But there is a place of maturity where we grow up and we're no longer, we're so full of God's love that we can strip ourselves and be a nobody and we don't need anybody's attention. I am praying. Now, here's, here's the crux of the whole message. I said everything I've said to get to this place. This is something that I am personally doing in my life and I want y'all to do it if you're not, because it's going to help you. I've been doing this lately. So I'm about to invite you in to my personal one-on-one time with Jesus in the mornings. Okay, I get up, I grab my Bible, I go find my quiet place. It's usually on my porch when the weather's halfway decent. And I sit there, and I say, Holy Spirit, come. Father, I want to partake of your love right now. I need to know how much you love me experientially. I'm inviting you into that hole in my heart that sometimes is still reaching for the praise of men. It sometimes needs to be recognized by people. Lord, come into all those shallow, ugly spots in my heart 
and fill it with your love. I want to taste of the love of God today. Lord, fill me afresh with your love. Lord, I want to be so full of your love that if I'm standing beside kings, queens, the most prophetic people in the world, it doesn't matter who I'm standing beside, sitting with, I'm at perfect peace because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. I know the one whom loves me. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. I want to live from that place, Lord. So would you fill me up with that? We need that. We need that. As we invite the Lord in to reveal his love to us, let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to come and reveal his love to you. (laughs) Because he loves you, every single one of you. Every single one of you sitting here is God's favorite. And I'm not, you know, and and that really is true. It's not like when God's dealing with Travis, he's not thinking about all his other kids. I mean, he is because he's God. He thinks about everything at the same time. But what I'm saying is he's not comparing me to any of his other kids. I, I just am Travis. There is no one like me. You know why? Because God's so creative. He may go back to old Rick's old stand, you know. He makes every snowflake different. You know, God is so creative that every single person has a, a stamp on them from the Father that is a different work of art than he did in the, the next work of art. Every single one is different, and he loves every single one of us with the greatest amount of love that he has. It's not like he loves some of us a, li- a lot, but he loves some of us a lot more. No, 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 no. You're, you're not understanding who he is because he don't love us based upon who we are. He loves us because of who he is. God is love. That's what John says. God is love. He loves every single one of you with all the love that he has. You're not like the least favorite child. Oh, he loves me. You know, I'm, I, he loves me. I know he loves me. But yet we still look at other people like somehow we're less than. That's because God wants us to know his love. He wants us to know how much he loves us individually. And when this begins to take root, we get changed from the inside out. And we start walking in a level of God. And, you know, when people talk about the revelations of the sons of God, this is it. It's not about, hey, when their sons are real, all these miracles are going to happen. Yeah, that's going to happen. That ain't going to be the focus. Because I can tell you, you, I've healed the sick. I've laid hands on someone and seen them healed instantly. I've given prophetic words to people about things I didn't know and see their body change instantly. I've seen that. That fades. But having the Father love on me, feeling his good pleasure in my heart, that is, that's worth 
that's, that is that is everything. That's the that's the pearl. That's worth buying. Going and selling everything to buy the field that the pearls in. That is it. The Father's love. Miracles are easy. When children grow up to know that they're loved, it's my great pleasure to give you the kingdom. But only, love chi- only children that know their love will use his kingdom power, the powers of the age to come, in a non-selfish way. See, he, he hasn't really been able to trust us fully yet because we're still wrestling with whether or not he loves us. And when we know that he loves us and the depth at which he loves us and we're healed on the inside from that love, game changer. So I would like to encourage all of you um, to begin to invite on a daily basis the love of the Father into your heart. Ask for it. Give me revelation, Lord, how much you love me. I'm asking for it. I want to know that I know that I know beyond just a head knowledge that he loves me. Now, I know that to a degree, but I also know that I haven't exhausted it. And the fact that these little insecurities pop up in me. How many ever feel insecure? That's a tell. Right away, when you feel that, you're now, in the, you're now feeding off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the fruit of that tree is to look at our own nakedness, to notice ourselves, to feel inadequate and run. When we run, because we don't want somebody looking at us, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the fruit of that. We run in fear. When we know that we're loved, insecurities disappear. You want your insecurities gone? Keep feeding on the love. Keep feeding. This is not an overnight thing. This is a thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but I want to feed on the Father's love. And as I feed on his love, all those insecurities in me are going to die. All those doubts are going to get driven out. All those fears of, is God going to take care of me? I don't worry about that because I know he loves me. When I have fear that somehow things aren't going to work out, to, to, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You know, but if I'm doubting, what does that mean? I don't believe that he loves me. Because we know that if God loved us, he'd take care of us. And we wouldn't say that, but that's what we're saying with our doubt. So when I see doubt in my heart, and I do, when I see fear in my heart, and I do, when I see insecurity in my heart, when I feel less than someone else, and I do from time to time, when I see these things, that's an immediate sign that I need to run to the Father's love. Father, I'm I'm a little empty. Fill me up today. Fill me up with your love, God, that these... These stupid little things or these little foxes that steal the the fruit, Lord, in my garden. Lord, come and fill me up with your love so that these things don't have a, a place in me. So, Lord, I'm asking for grace on all of us to begin to partake of the Father's love. Lord, let us know the Father's love. Lord, remind us every morning to invite. Your scripture says we receive not because we ask not. Lord, help us to ask for our daily bread, which is the Father's love. Give us our day. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. We want to partake of your presence, partake of your love. 
the love that loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.